Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Do we Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Norm Mintel, the other Dr. Mintel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad that you've joined us. We are indeed. Good to be here again, as usual, but you know what? It's a little bit different because we're getting into that time of year and you're starting to feel it, right? The days are getting shorter, the leaves are falling, the air is crisp. It's also the weekend before Halloween, and whether you like it or not, it is big business. Americans spend over $5 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest, second largest commercial holiday. In addition, a quarter of all annual candy sales, now I believe that, I would have thought more, <laughs> occur during Halloween season in the United States. You know, Norm, there's just so much stuff that you can buy. I mean, there's tableware, there's candles. I even saw those, you know, those poppers you get at Christmas time that you right, put on the right. table. Oh, yeah, I love those. I saw those for Halloween. Oh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I don't remember any of this hype around Halloween. It was pretty much get dressed up, get candy. Uh, did you celebrate Halloween as a child? I was just, when you said that, I was thinking, in Honduras, where I was as a missionary kid, Halloween wasn't even a thing. Did they I mean, not even? Oh, no, there was no thing. Yep. In Mexico, there's Day of the Dead, which is yeah. kind of close, but not in Central America. So people don't know you're a missionary kid, but... Now they do. Now Secrets they do. Out. There oh. you did. Well, hey, I was raised in a Christian home, and I grew up in the upper Midwest, where a lot of our listeners are right. listening to us right now. And it wasn't about a bunch of evil and scary things. It was really a chance to just get out in your neighborhood, get dressed mm-hmm. up, get candy from our neighbors. It was really all about the candy. The candy, yeah. of course. <laughs> and, and we knew our neighbors very well. Um, I don't remember adults having parties or anything other than going out into the neighborhood. And I don't remember the church ever talking about it. Because it wasn't a thing. I, I guess. And or it was, a negative thing, I guess. I guess. Because people, when, when we were kids... I'm guessing you were you were in the States, I wasn't, but I'm guessing people weren't putting razor blades in apples and there no. wasn't poisoning and the kinds of negative things that mm-hmm. happened over the years after that. Yeah, none of that was happening. Hmm. Well, the church certainly talks about it now. Halloween has become quite controversial in the Christian community, and Christians seem to have an awful lot of opinions about what we should and what we shouldn't do. Well, and what I found is that most Christians agree on the origins of Halloween, but they have a lot of opinions regarding what to do with it. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the origins for just a sec, if we can. Uh, in case you haven't ever heard or read up on it, you should know the origins. 
Right. Could help you. And, you know, we're going to go over a little bit of history here. So it, it may be a little bit, a, a lot of information as we're doing this. But our purpose in doing this, Norm, is so that we can give people the information of what we found out about Halloween. And then each family can pray about it, can think about it, and decide what they want to do. So we're not prescribing today. No, no. And okay. I, I looked up a lot of things. I went to Christianity Today. And this is part of what I found. More than a thousand years ago, Christians confronted the pagan rites appeasing the Lord of death and evil spirits. Halloween's unsavory beginnings preceded Christ's birth with the Druids. Hmm. Now, we've all kind of heard of the Druids. Right. That's now Britain and France. And they observed the end of summer with sacrifices to the gods. It was the beginning of the Celtic year or Celtic year. You Celtic. say tomato. I'll say Celtic. I say tomato. Okay. Celtic, Celtic. <laughs> and they believe, now his name is, I think it's pronounced Sawam, the Lord of Death. And he sent evil spirits abroad to attack humans, mm. could only escape by assuming disguises and looking like evil spirits themselves. Wow. So that's the, the costuming the part costume, of that. Yeah, yeah. Right. The waning of the sun and the approach of dark winter made the evil spirits rejoice and play nasty tricks. This is what oh. they believed. Most of our Halloween practices then can be traced back to these old pagan rites and superstitions. Hmm. Well, then the church had a response to that, and it happened as early as the 4th century. John Christentum tells us that the Eastern Church celebrated a festival in honor of all the saints who had died, so it became more Christianized. In the 7th and 8th centuries then, Christians celebrated All Saints Day, but they celebrated it in May. Eventually, that was moved to November 1st and called All Hallows Day. So the evening before became known as All Hallowed Eve. So the name Halloween then comes from the All Saints Day celebration right. of the early Christian church. Right. So that that's really wild. Yeah, we took yeah. it back early. Yeah, I guess so. Um, All Hallows Eve was eventually contracted to Halloween, which became Halloween. So if you if you spell that out, it has a little bit of a different spelling there. And this was the original Halloween alternative. <laughs> so it sounds like Halloween really began with a religious focus, both non-Christian and Christian, but then became a pagan holiday, and now we're trying to reclaim it. Maybe. So... What about if our customs and traditions, in terms of what we do on Halloween, came from some other interesting history, too? For example, the current custom of going door-to-door to collect treats actually started in Ireland hundreds of years ago. Listen to this. Groups of farmers would go door-to-door selling vacuum cleaners, oh, no, collecting food and materials for village feasts and bonfires. And those who gave were promised prosperity, and those who did not received threats of bad luck. That doesn't sound too nice. No, that was okay. <laughs> well, when an influx of Irish Catholics immigrated then to the United States norm in the 1800s, this is how the custom of trick-or-treat came, because it came with them. I got it. So, man, it's interesting how this has been morphing over time, right? Right. Well, we looked a little bit deeper and found that on History.com that trick-or-treat became an American tradition not until 1951, wow. when it was depicted in a Peanuts comic strip. I didn't know that. Well, that's before our time, so how would we know? (laughs) Then in 1952, Disney produced a cartoon called Trick or Treat, featuring none other than the great Donald Duck and his nephews Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I don't think I've ever seen that. Have you ever even heard of that one? I think we need to go to YouTube and check it out. Yeah, I don't even know. 
Well, we'll talk a little bit more about costumes, but we also learned through reading about the history that many of the customs that we associate with Halloween came from historical traditions that were passed down, including the custom of trick-or-treat that came from also wassailing in Europe. I never knew what that meant when we sang that song at Christmas, said, here we go, wassailing. I thought, yeah, I always associated that with yeah, Christmas. Yeah, apparently that was associated with this too. And then on All Saints Day, English beggars would walk the streets promising to pray for the dead loved ones in exchange for a type of cake. This holiday has some very interesting beginnings. Interesting. Yeah, beginnings. <laughs> the roots go way back and yeah. they're kind of interesting. And they're kind of interwoven with kind of scary things and then okay things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does your family carve a pumpkin to place on the porch for Halloween? Hmm. If so, you can thank, again, the Irish for that tradition. Actually, the custom began with a turnip. <laughs> a turnip. People would hollow out turnips and place lighted candles inside to scare off evil spirits. So when the Irish came to America, they discovered that the pumpkin as a much larger substitute for the turnip. And now we carve pumpkins rather than turnips for Halloween. Okay, wait, aren't turnips small? Aren't they like little? Well, they're like the size of beets oh, they, so or pota- big potatoes. So you could carve that and put a um, candle in there? They were very adept with the knife. <laughs> I can see why they like the pumpkin better. <laughs> and have you ever bobbed for apples? Well, bobbing for apples was one practice the pagans used to divine the spiritual world's blessings on a couple's romance. I had no idea that I that had that, never heard that negative root. Well, let's talk about another one. That's Wicca and how it fit into all of this. Because we hear that this is the high holy day for Wiccans and witches. Wicca has only been in existence since the 1950s. I thought it went way, way I back. I did too. Maybe that's the Druids we're getting them confused with. That could with. be when yeah. Doreen Valiente and Gerald Gardner released it to the world. It's the UK's only, are you ready for this? It's the UK's only exported religion. Oh. Huh. All Wiccans could classify themselves as witches, but not all witches would call themselves Wiccans. In fact, it is one of two high and holy days for them. For those who believe and follow the practices of witchcraft, Halloween does represent an opportunity to embrace the evil, devilish, dark side of the spiritual world. So that's concerning, isn't it? So Halloween became an American holiday in the late 19th century, while early immigrants may have believed the superstitious traditions. It was the mischievous aspects of the holiday that attracted a lot of American young people. So younger generations borrowed or adapted many of the customs, and they didn't reference, Norm, all these pagan origins. Well, and to their credit, they may not have known them. They may not have. We We didn't have the internet back then. Right. I mean, we're discovering new (laughs) things. You couldn't check it. You couldn't check things. (laughs) So it's this weird blending of pagan and Christian practices, which is really similar to what we've seen historically for Easter and Christmas. That's true. Which is why I feel strongly that we need to talk about these holidays with our children and decide what we feel comfortable doing, but also help them to understand the traditions and the customs, where they come from, and what they mean. And if we take back this holiday and focus on its original roots, it can be a different type of celebration since the holiday also has Christian roots. I like that. We hope this history and background will give you some things to think about and help you decide how your family will celebrate the holiday. Now, the Bible doesn't actually speak about Halloween, but it does certainly give us principles on which we can make some decisions. In Old Testament Israel, witchcraft was a crime punishable by death. And you Mm -hmm. can look up those references in Exodus and Leviticus. And in the New Testament, there are teachings about the occult, 
which are very clear. In Acts 8, 9-24 is the story of Simon the sorcerer. This story shows that occultism and Christianity just don't mix at all. And then there's the account of Elymas, is that how we're saying his name? Elymas, Elymas, it's E-L-Y-M-A-S, the sorcerer, and that's in Acts 13, 6 and 11, and in that story, it reveals that sorcery is violently opposed to Christianity. Paul calls him a child of the devil, an enemy of righteousness, and a perverter of the ways of God. Well, there's certainly plenty of evidence in the Bible that God is not real happy with demonic kind of activities. Well, I hope this helps you with your thinking about Halloween. When we come back, we'll speak more specifically on things we can do. Stay with us. Social media can be a real source of jealousy in our culture. It's so easy to be envious of a friend's fitness progress, a family member's new car, or a colleague's promotion. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I know I'm not the only one who plays the comparison game on social media. But if our self-worth is measured in the number of hearts our Instagram gets, we're missing the point big time. Instead of obsessing over the number of thumbs up you get, ask yourself, are my actions worthy of a thumbs up from God? I promise you, he doesn't care what your outfit of the day is or if you're drinking your first Starbucks red cup of the season. God already gave you a double tap when he knit you in your mother's womb. And the only filter we need is Christ himself, who erases our imperfections and makes us holy. Having lots of followers is great, but remember, God asked us to follow him first. And you can tweet that. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Just a quick reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on her social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, at drlindamental, Dr. Linda Mental, and on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. You can also listen to our podcast on myfaithradio.com or whichever is your favorite podcast platform, like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to myfaithradio.com. So, Dr. Linda, we have found a few questions from our listeners helping us think about how to wrestle with and respond to Halloween. We're not here to give opinions. Rather, as we said earlier, we want you to think through these issues. These may help you make decisions for your family. These were really great questions, Norm, that people wrote in, and we don't really have the answers to these questions, which might frustrate you, but I think these were great questions. We want to tell you what they were, and then you can think about them in terms of your own response. So one person wrote in, God is a God of life, but Halloween focuses on death. Should I celebrate a holiday where people decorate their front doors with tombstones and death? That's a good question. That's a great question, yeah. yeah. I don't know that people think literally about how they decorate. I don't know. I, I have don't no know. idea. Here's one. A person asked, the scriptures tell us to put away deeds of darkness, Romans thirteen twelve, and that light has nothing in common with darkness, Second Corinthians 6. So is celebrating a dark holiday something that a child of the light should be doing? Okay. And then here's another one. Again, we're not giving you the answers to these. We just want you to think about them. One person said... Now this one, I have been delivered from fear and panic attacks, and I know that fear comes from the enemy. Should I participate in a holiday that has fear as its very foundation? 
I think that goes along what you've said so many times about triggers in our life yeah. and reminders that, right. that bring about negative feelings and emotions. Right. So if you're struggling with fear and then you go into these scream things and these horror movies and fears, I don't think that would be a very good idea. Right. That is my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Professionally <laughs> on that one. Well, that's a, that's, that's a very intelligent yeah. opinion and uh, approach. Here's one. Witchcraft is clearly detestable to the Lord, as we read in Deuteronomy. Shouldn't something that glorifies witchcraft just take a walk through any Halloween store, be detestable for me as well? So, for some people, it really is. I think so. Um, so, again, think about that with your family. Here's another one from a, a listener. Is it cute when we dress our kids like the devil or witches, ghouls, scary characters? Isn't it, well, demonic? Are we desensitizing them to real evil? I know that we didn't let our kids dress up that way. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit, what we actually did. And again, not trying to push our opinion on somebody, but we did not allow our kids to dress up in those evil costumes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. My extended family thinks it's ridiculous that we not allow our son to dress up for Halloween. Should their opinions matter to me more than God's? Shouldn't pleasing God be my utmost concern, or am I making too big a deal over this? Yeah, I think that's one you have to give some prayer to, to really know where you land on that. And then the final one that we want to throw at you, which we thought was another good one, what if I'm bothered by the day? If there is even a question in my heart and mind that it might be wrong, shouldn't that be my first clue? Why would I continue to do so with even a lingering thought that it is wrong? Hmm. So I think what we're seeing in all of these is there's a different sensitivity to the things that um, people have experienced, maybe the things that people see on that day or the way they take that in. And you need to think about if that is bothering you or if you think this is representing something more evil than you want to get involved with. And I think it's fair to say that many Christians may feel they're more sensitive to these kinds of issues than other people. and. Right. They should be then. That, right. right. And so, I feel strongly about teaching them um, three things in terms of when we talk to our kids. And I think pastors and youth pastors need to, to really focus on these three things. There is a spiritual world filled with goodness from God and evil from Satan. Mm-hmm. I do think we have to acknowledge to kids the and young reality. people, yeah, it's right. real. It's right. not like this is something in the movies. Right. And then the second point is life with Christ has power over darkness. Mm. Kids need to know that. If they're ever faced with the darkness and they are a child of of God's, they have that power over that darkness because of the power of Christ in them. And the third one is those who celebrate Halloween may be doing so for many different reasons, Norm. So we should be careful not to judge others, but have a family approach to this. I appreciate that. I think that's true. We too often are harsh in our judgment of one another, and we shouldn't be probably and don't need to be. A lot of people we know have created an alternative that is positive and uplifting, that celebrates good over evil and triumph of God over Satan. Churches are doing this more and more with their harvest parties and, and fall retreats. And, that and sort hay, of rides hay rides and different right. ways that kids can get involved. And this is one of the main alternatives we see are these harvest parties. They provide families a place to have fun, enjoy the harvest, rather than celebrating death. Mm -hmm. And many use the day as a teachable moment, really, to celebrate God's protection. So think about that. That's the exact opposite of scaring. We're going to celebrate God's protection, His provision, 
and his purpose for our lives. Oh, I like that. Other alternatives are one, I love this one, the Reformation Festival. Yeah. Yeah, kids dress up like farmers or Bible characters or even Reformation heroes. I want to see a kid like Martin Luther. Can I? I think <laughs> I think we have heard of one group that did this and somebody was Martin Luther in that group. <laughs> this, this could actually be a pretty effective means of reaching out to your neighborhood families with the gospel. And hopefully people would say, hey, who are you? Right, and who is that character? Right. And you could talk about him. And you know, some churches actually just don't even have anything at their church. They just leave the building and they take acts of mercy into their community, treating, not tricking, but treating needy families with food baskets, with gift cards, and the gospel message. Here's another option. Limited or non-compromising participation in Halloween. Now, that may sound tricky, but let me just say that was our policy, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We're not saying you should do this, but our take was that there's nothing inherently evil about candy or costumes that were appropriate or trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. In fact, all of that can provide a unique gospel opportunity for our neighbors, even handing out candy to neighborhood children provided you're not too stingy, can improve your reputation among the kids, as long as the costumes are innocent and the behavior does not dishonor Christ. And as Christians were enlightened by the truth of God's Word, evil spirits may not be any more active and sinister on Halloween than they are on every other day of the year. We really don't know that. We know that the witches say, but I mean, the evil is there every single day of the year. In fact, any day is a good day for Satan to prowl around seeking whom he can devour. But here's the great news. Mm. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And God has disarmed principalities and powers through the cross of Christ, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over of them, and it's all been done through Christ. I like that. We Christians should respond to Halloween, I think, with gospel compassion. Those who don't know Jesus don't understand, or at least may not understand, that evil truly, really exists. This is an opportunity to talk about the spiritual world. Yeah, so back to Christian families. You may adopt a no-participation policy in some areas. As Christian parents, you might decide not to have your children participate in activities like listening to ghost stories, coloring pictures of witches. I wouldn't want our kids to do that, frankly, Norm. No, and you may decide you don't want to dress up or go trick-or-treating or even attend the Halloween alternatives. That's okay. Right. Our point is that Christians should respond to Halloween with cautionary wisdom. There is no question that pagans use this night to celebrate evil. And if you are someone who did delve into the occult in the past— Boy, this night could really trigger memories and fears, and I would not participate in anything related to that night. Now, evil, as we've been saying, and power are real. But again, as Christians, you are covered by the blood of Christ, and you have the power and authority to stand down evil. And boy, we need to recognize that every day of the year. But especially on Halloween. You know, I once knew a woman who was a former witch. In fact, she was the queen of all what she called black witches for Europe. And then she became a Christian. She said that was a high holy day for her coven. So we're not saying that evil doesn't get ramped up by some groups on that night. It does. But evil is also rampant all the time, and so we should constantly be on our guard all the time and pray against evil and trust the Word of God, not just be concerned one day a year. That's a really good point. If you don't want to participate, we want to tell you, don't. Just don't. If you're bothered by the celebration, pay attention to that and don't feel pressured, or don't. but also don't be self-righteous about it and start judging other people for their participation. Right. Pay attention to what you believe the Lord is telling you to do. 
and talk as a family. Pray for wisdom and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the gifts he gives us is wisdom and discernment, not for other people, for yourselves. Start there. Then help your children understand that position, why you take it, and why it's important to your family. And I would really hope, Norm, and it's kind of a a wish almost in this culture that is so divided, but I would hope other people would respect your decision, especially if you've had any personal encounters with the dark side of the spirit world in your family or even through the generations. And if your decision is simply based on the idea that you don't like what Halloween stands for and don't want to participate, you don't need the approval of other people. Right. And you also mentioned, though, we have to remind ourselves to be careful about judging how other people and their families make that decision. Yeah, my caution is not to judge the hearts of those who may participate. Like we said, many use this holiday to engage their neighbors, have conversations about spiritual things. The Lord is able to work through all types of unusual encounters. And you may be able to talk to somebody and have them get to know Christ even on that night. One of the best things that comes out of how families decide what to do is that it gives us an opportunity to awaken ourselves to the Bible, the idea that evil exists, and it's not some Hollywood fantasy. For some children, this is really important. So here's the bottom line. No matter what you decide, of this I am certain, Jesus overcame all evil, so we don't have to fear. He overcame the darkness, and he triumphed over death and evil. Every day, including Halloween, His overcoming power works in us when we are one of His. So let your kids know that they are covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And no matter what darkness we encounter on any day of the year, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And for that reason, we don't have to fear. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mental, who makes this show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.